You're listening to a sermon from Tyler Christian Fellowship in Tyler, Texas. Find us on the web at tcftyler.com or send us an email, tcftyler at gmail.com. Honor our uh, teachers, the people that lead our children and and teach our children um, before we let them go to uh, children's ministry. So if you are involved in leading um, our children in any way, would you stand up, please? I've asked uh, Helen Morris to come and pray for our um, for our teachers and our leaders and our kids. She is our um, Sunday school uh, director, so give her a good welcome too. Thank you, Helen. Um, such a blessing and a privilege to be Sunday school director, and. Um, our children are such an so such a blessing, and just think, you know, in a few years we're going to sleep a couple of times, and we're going to turn around, and these kids are going to be up here, and they're going to be there, and um, and already we've seen that. There's a few of these that have grown right. up in the church. Um, I want to say a special thank you to all my teachers. They're so faithful. They show up every Sunday morning teach and I'm so thankful for them and uh, your children are missing a blessing if they're not involved in our Sunday school they I mean we just we have some awesome teachers we got awesome material and you know it comes up a kid will ask a question and say something that and they get one-on-one answer to that question Lord, thank you for your awesome blessings toward us and your faithfulness to us. Lord, thank you for these teachers. I ask you to give them um, grace and peace in what they're going through right now because they're just people. Just We're all just people, and we have our own struggles. Lord, I just pray that you'd give them an extra measure of uh, grace. Lord, I pray for these kiddos as they go off to Children's Church, and Lord, that you would be with all the workers in Children's Church. Lord, that you open the hearts of the children that they could receive your word. Lord, that they could grow up strong and with a good foundation and um, be ready leaders for the church of tomorrow. Lord, I thank you for all your goodness toward us and all your faithfulness. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Also, uh, Jessica is our um, children's ministry, children's pastor. So let's give her a good appreciation. Do you want to say something? I'll just echo what um, what Miss Helen said. And already these children are learning how to minister, minister to our neighbors and minister to the younger children in our church. And that's what we're attempting to to raise them up to do and uh 
you know, our children, we looked at some of the numbers, and we average about 50 children every Sunday, and that's about a third of our church population. And uh, they're just a vital part of our church, and um, it's just a privilege and an honor and a humbling responsibility to steward that influence that we have. And I just thank all of you for your prayers, and I thank all of the volunteers who are so faithful uh, to lead them every week. So, Thank you, Jessica. All right, so the kids can go to children's ministry. I'm going to share a message with you this morning that's just, uh, it's not part of a series or anything like that, and uh, even before I talk about this, let me make it clear that this is not in response to any kind of uh, issues that are going on with anybody, okay? Um, because I, I try to be super careful to never do that, to, to abuse the um, privilege um, and um, sanctity of the pulpit uh, to personally address issues uh, with people. I don't, number one, it's not effective. Uh, number, number two, it's not Christ-like to do that. Um, so, in fact, uh, we're in a time, uh, and we have been through times when there's been, um, you know, difficulties um, in our congregation just because we're people. Um, but we're in a time of great um, blessing and peace and grace. And uh, we've talked about these things uh, before. I just think it's healthy to talk about them uh, as often as we can. Amen? So we're going to talk about uh, steps to healthy conflict it may sound like a um, con conflict of terms there, um, healthy conflict, but actually conflict is healthy. It is good. It means that you're alive. It means that you're uh, actually involved in a relationship. It means that you're um, able to acknowledge the fact that you don't always see eye to eye about things. Amen? So uh, we're going to talk about how to, um, the steps to uh, healthy conflict um, this morning. Um, you know, Almost any relationship that you have with people that has any kind of depth to it will go through seasons of conflict, seasons when you're not seeing eye to eye, seasons when it's necessary um, to have some hard conversations. If you handle those hard conversations in the right way, you don't have to have them over and over again, hopefully. If you don't, if you avoid it, um, if you uh, don't listen, um, if you don't address it, um, it'll come up again and again and again. The problem is, is that every time it comes up, there are scars. Every time that it comes up, there are failures. Um, there's more need to forgive and sometimes less likelihood to forgive. So it's a downward spiral. It's not just like a circle that you go around. And so that's why it's really important to short-circuit that, to make sure that you are walking in healthy relationships. And again, that doesn't mean that you're agreeing about everything, but that you're loving each other. Um, there's no um, dark cloud hanging over your, your relationship. Um, and I'm not necessarily talking about conflicts over uh, important matters. It, the funny thing about it is, if you're married, you know this, uh, you can flash uh, an argument over something um, that was like you can't even, after it's over, you're like, I don't even know what that was about. I don't even know. Or sometimes you stop in the middle of it and you're like, you know, we're arguing. I'll, I'll tell this one on me. Um, 
we, uh, Becky and I went to um, Stanley's, which is a little bit of heaven on earth, um, world-famous barbecue um, here in Tyler, and we were with, um, with her uh, sister, and um, she wanted to share some of my ribs with her sister, and I was just like, why don't you share your own ribs with, with her sister? And uh, it, got, it got ugly. <laughs> it was tense at Stanley's when we got back home. And then, you know, you stop and you're like, what am I fighting over? And then you're like, oh, yeah, a rib at Stanley's. That's worth fighting over. You know, that's not, nothing trivial. But it's funny how sometimes little things, if we don't handle them in the right way, and especially if we come to them um, with a load of emotion, then it can, it can just spiral out of control um, really quickly. It's not necessarily big things, but if you can't handle the little things, then you're going to have big problems with the big things. And so that's why it's really important that we understand how to relate to each other and what Jesus says is the right thing to do. So here's Jesus' simple um, approach, really simple approach. This is from uh, Matthew chapter 18, uh, verses 15 through 20. Um, And it starts like this. It says, if your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. And if he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Now, does that make you kind of shake in your boots a little bit? Is that like to you like that's confrontational and I don't like confrontation? Nobody, Nobody healthy, I think, loves confrontation. If somebody loves confrontation, then they've got problems. But if somebody avoids confrontation at every turn, they've got just as bad of problems and it's just as destructive to do that. So Jesus says, if, uh, if he sins against you, tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. Now, I just want to point out to you here that he's talking about a brother. So he's talking about a fellow believer, a brother or a sister who is a fellow, fellow believer. And again, if we can't handle these things in the household of God, we're going to have a really tough time handling them with people that don't have values and a savior in common with them. Um, Jesus is acknowledging that there will be uh, conflicts in the body of Christ. We're not perfect. Um, we make mistakes. And, uh, and he's specifically here talking about when a brother sins against you. That's usually the time when we lose it. It's not when there's just like a disagreement or don't see eye to eye, but when somebody has sinned against you. Those are, those are really tough ones to handle. And that's why he's addressing this um, here. Um, Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24 says, So if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First, be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift. Now, there's something that stands out to me about this that I didn't realize until a couple of years ago. Like when we do communion, there's always a time of kind of self-examination and soul-searching about your relationship with the Lord. Let the Holy Spirit just kind of, you know, look into your heart and see if there's any, anything that's separating you from God. But the second part of that is, and it's based on this verse, that if there's anything between you and other people, to let the Holy Spirit... So when you come to communion, you come with a clean heart, and you come ready to have um, healthy relationships with the Lord and with um, those around you. But you know what? This one doesn't say if you come to the communion table. It says if you come to bring your tithe. We haven't done that. So maybe we're going to start doing that in the future. Before we pass the plate, before we bring our offering to the Lord, let's stop and let the Holy Spirit examine us. Because he doesn't need your stuff. 
In fact, if you're giving him your stuff to justify yourself and ignoring what he's telling you to do, then you're not getting the full benefit of what he has for you here. I'm not saying that it's, not, that it's, it's, um, it's good to not give. It's not. It's good to not, it's bad to not resolve things, okay? And if you want your relationship with the Lord to be strong and healthy and vital and honest, and, and just like you're getting all the benefits that there is of the body of Christ, then our relationship with other people is very important to that. And I'm gonna, I have one more. Uh, this is Leviticus chapter 19, verses 17 and 18. Um, and as far as I can tell, this may be the only time that the Bible explicitly says, love your neighbor as yourself. But Jesus said, this is the second and great commandment. So it's, it's, a, it's in this and it's in connection with this, um, with this scripture. Um, it says, you shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason friend, uh, frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself, I am the Lord. And I just highlighted or boldface the I am the Lord just to remind us that this is a command. Just like what Jesus is saying, that's a command. And he says, if you're my disciples, then you will do what I command you to do. And this is one of the things that God has commanded us to do. And this is the way that we know that we love one another. That we don't allow little things to come between us. And we don't allow big things to go unresolved. That we're committed to each other, to, 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 committed to the process, and in obedience to the Lord, I really want to fulfill what his calling is on my life, and I really want to make sure that I'm doing what he wants me to do. So that's what this is uh, based on. Just want to point out to you a couple of things. First of all, um, we are not born, you know this, we are not born knowing how to communicate. We learn that in a family. We learn how to talk, we learn how to say things, but we also learn what we say and what we don't say. We learn those things in a family. We're also not born knowing how to resolve conflicts. In fact, when we're born, we're going to be the source of a lot of conflicts. Amen? There's going to be a lot more tension in the house because there's somebody in the house that thinks the whole universe revolves around them. Don't even have a concept of the universe, just has the concept of their own hunger and their own thirst and their own needs. And, but we are taught by good parents, how to resolve conflicts. And some families are really good at this. And some families are not. Some families are destructive. Some families have healthy uh, communication and healthy conflict resolution, and they know how to resolve these things. I want us as a church family to have healthy conflict resolution, and I want our families to be able to teach their kids because the fact is, is no matter how you were raised, you're on some part of that spectrum from like really bad at it to really good at it, somewhere in the middle. And I think God wants us all to get better at it. Amen? You guys with me this morning? Am I talking about something that we can use? I mean, is this like helpful? We'll see. Everybody, everybody needs this, okay? Um, we, we learn what is appropriate behavior in families. What is appropriate language? What is appropriate physical behavior? Is it right to try to settle your issues with another person physically? Some families think it is. Some families, that's the way that they do it. And maybe not physically with each other, but physically like breaking things or throwing things, 
um, verbally by saying things, saying things that are inflammatory, saying things that are um, inappropriate. Um, you know, I mean, how do you talk when you get mad? Because it's really important that you understand that those words are not the exception to the rule. It's out of the, um, the overflow of the heart that we speak. And so if foul language or foul references or, or uh, angry um, attacks on people come out of your heart, there's some work to do there. And God's good at doing that. He wants to get down to that. Because he doesn't want us living our lives hurting one another. And, by the way, not even resolving the conflict, just making the conflict worse. Um, some families are really good at these things, but there's always room for improvement. So let's look at the steps that Jesus uh, uses uh, in resolving conflict. Go to a person one-on-one. -on -one. This is a picture of that. No, I'm just kidding. That's a good picture of conflict, but hopefully that's not the way that we go one-on-one. -on -one. Jesus said this. He says there's three steps to this. Go to them one-on-one, -on -one, and if they repent, then you've won your brother. Then you've restored your relationship. Second is, take two or three along, uh, and and then the third one is, if they still haven't listened to you and they st you still have not resolved this, then you bring it to the elders of the church. He says, bring it to the church, but like we've learned long ago that popular vote in the church is not necessarily the right way to conduct things because not everybody is qualified to be a help in a situation like that. But your elders are, and your pastor is. And so if you can't resolve it one-on-one -on -one, and then you can't resolve it with two or more, then you bring it to your spiritual Authority. Now, I want to talk about these um, uh, each uh, in a little bit more detail. First of all, it says um, to, uh, to go to them one-on-one. -on -one. Everybody say one-on-one -on -one with me. One-on-one. -on -one. How many? One. Right. Do you see where we kind of get messed up here? Is because when we get hurt, when we get upset, we have a tendency to talk but we don't talk to the people that are actually the problem. We talk to everybody else. And the problem that happens with that is that the person that you're talking to, if they're not the problem and they're not part of the solution, is very likely to pick up a secondhand defense. So I have an, I have an issue. Let's say who can I? I have an issue with, with uh, Mike, which I've never had an issue with Mike. He's the sweetest most wonderful guy that I know. But let's say I have an issue with Mike. Mike um, takes a rib off of my plate at Stanley's, you know? And it's like, that's my hot button, okay? And so Mike takes a rib off of my plate at Stanley's, and I don't say anything to Mike, okay? But when I come home, I tell Becky, that Mike Devine? I, I cannot believe. And she loves ribs like I do, so she's like, he did what? He took a rib off my plate. At Stanley's. And she's like, I can't believe that Mike Devine, I can't believe that he would do something like that. What is he thinking about? I'm using this as a funny example, but you know what I'm talking about. And so the next time I run into Mike, like we are, we're, we're going to be getting along. It's not like I'm going to, you know, you know, face slap him or something. And it comes up in the conversation. And the first thing he says is, Joe, I, am, I thought about this uh, later. I am so sorry that I ate a rib off of your plate. And I'm just like, oh, Mike, that's no big deal. That's not a big deal. I, it, I didn't even notice, right? <laughs> and then I go home and I tell Becky, hey, I ran into Mike today. And she's like, well, what did he want? Well, he said he didn't mean to take the rib off my plate. She's not there for the conversation. She doesn't have the grace to resolve this. 
She is never going to bring this up to Mike, right? But she has a secondhand defense that somehow has to be resolved. You see what I'm talking about? This is why this is so deadly and so dangerous, and this is one of the devil's most useful tricks to divide people, to keep the body of Christ, especially, in a constant state of dissatisfaction with each other, a low form of inflammatory uh, relationships, to where it's like, I know something about somebody, and it hasn't been resolved, and it's not my issue to resolve. And even if it's been resolved with the primary person, I'm still carrying an offense, and it's really difficult to resolve that. And that's why Jesus says, if somebody has sinned against you, don't go talk to a bunch of people about it. Can we just say that's a good plan? And listen to me. That means don't bring it up in a prayer circle as a form of prayer for somebody. I just would just, Mike Devine just needs some prayer because he's got this thing about taking ribs from people. Right? Don't bring it up in a, in a prayer circle. All right? You may have some close friends that have wisdom and they can counsel you, but don't share it with people that are going to pick up an offense from it. Okay? Jesus says, go to them one-on-one also. And I'm going to talk a little bit more detail about how to prepare yourself for this um, because these difficult conversations, it's really important to go in prepared. Um, You can't shortcut this step. You will pay for it every time you shortcut this step of going to a person one-on-one. If you have been offended, and Jesus is talking about somebody that has sinned against you, and that's a big one, and that's hard for us um, to to live with. When there's just a difference of opinion, that's one thing, but when somebody has done something to hurt you, that they have sinned against you, that's a big one, and that's hard. And he still says the first step for a believer, and this is a command, guys, is to go to that person one-on-one. You can't shortcut this step. Every, everything that you do to shortcut this step will make it less effective and will render it ineffective in most situations. The good news is most, the vast majority of conflicts are resolved right there. The vast majority. Because he's talking about believers to begin with. And as I said, if we can't do this with believers, we will never succeed in resolving conflicts in the world. But we've got common ground. We've got a common Savior. We've got a common uh, command to love one another. We've got a covenant commitment to each other. We are part of a body. We have all the advantages here. And I'm telling you, when you're thinking about this meeting, and maybe you're thinking about one right now, because it, it would be very unlikely that this whole big group of people has none of this on the plate right now in front of you, or at future, shortly going to be in front of you sometime this week or something. So if you're thinking about it right now, when you're thinking about that go one-on-one with them, it's tough, man. It's scary. It's scary. Because if you're like me, you don't like conflict, and you're thinking this is going to be a conflict. Here's the good news. And if you've applied this, you know this. There is grace. God gives us grace to do what's right. And if you prepare yourself like I'm going to tell you to prepare yourself, You have every opportunity, every potential to actually resolve this thing. And the the best news is that instead of your relationship being destroyed or scarred or end, it will actually be stronger. 
It's like a bone that breaks. When a bone breaks and it heals, it is stronger at the place that it broke than the rest of the bone. That is the strongest part of the bone now. And that happens in relationships too. And you, I hope you've experienced this, that you come into conflict with somebody and you resolve that conflict in a godly way, in a, in a graceful way, in a, in a, in a you know, Christ-infused, spirit-led way, and you come away from it, number one, appreciating his power so much more, but you also come away from it appreciating that person. And you win your brother, Jesus says. The next step is, is taking it up a notch. Good news is you usually don't have to move to the next step. But there have been times when I have had to move to the next step. People have had to move to the next step with this with me, and, and I have had to move to the next step with people um, this way. If you're going to go from step one to step two, let the person know. Don't just show up at their door with three or four people, okay? If you, leave, if you go to the person one-on-one -on -one and there are unresolved issues, don't shake their hand. Well, I'm not saying don't shake their hand, but don't tell them everything's resolved and everything's fine, okay? If it's not resolved, don't tell them that, okay? If you need to move to the next step, then you say, I would like for us to sit down with a couple of other people. Here's how you choose those two or three other people, all right? Otherwise, you're running into an intervention, and interventions don't usually go well, other than on television, but most of the time when somebody shows up with a room full of people accusing them of stuff, it's not going to go well, okay? But you say, can we sit down with two or three people, choose somebody who's wise, choose somebody who has um, uh, uh, self-control, not prone to, to frustration and not prone to anger, somebody who will really, really listen, somebody who's seasoned and that you, can tr you, you trust, but somebody that both parties trust. And in the successful um, uh, times that this, this has happened with me, it, it, it's vital that it's somebody that both parties can trust. That this person, when, when, when he talks, it's not a conflict. He wants to hear what he has to say, and he's open to it. Um, don't spring it on him. Let him know that you're going to come. Um, a couple of people that both parties respect, and you want people who are wise and insightful and, uh, and self-control, and you don't want this to come across as an intervention, like somebody is under the spotlight, and you're bringing you know, the, the cavalry in you know, to, to corral them. In both of these things, I'm going to talk to you in a minute about preparing yourself um, for that meeting. Um, but in both of these things, it's really important that everybody's under control. And then the third one is to bring it to the elders. And once it's brought to the elders, it's out of your hands. Because this is not an offense against you any longer, but this is a person who is walking in rebellion in their relationship with the Lord. And when it's brought to the elders, listen, church discipline can be so beneficial. It can be so good. And if you've never been in a healthy body where there is healthy church discipline, you may be thinking of abuse of power and abuse of authority. But I, have, I am the direct result being at TCF and being saved and, and knowing the Lord, a direct result of the guy who led me from, uh, to the Lord uh, being under church discipline and being restored in a godly way. He was not humiliated. He was not... Uh, uh, he was not ostracized, he was not cut off, but he was held accountable for his actions, and his actions were wrong at the time. 
And while he was living that lifestyle, he was hanging out with us. And when he came back to the Lord, we came back to the Lord too. And he didn't come back as a second-class citizen. All of these steps are redemptive in nature, not punitive. We're not trying to punish somebody. We're not trying to, to, to hurt anybody. We're not trying to make somebody feel you know, what they ought to feel or get what they deserve. We're trying to restore them. The first one is a fir- trying to restore them to, their, to, to a, a person that they've sinned against. The second one is trying to restore them in their relationship with the Lord. And the third one is to restore them to their relationships in the body of Christ and the other two as well. Are you with me? So this genius, this is so genius. And if you've ever been in a church that has a lot of drama and a lot of conflict and stuff like this, I can almost guarantee you they're not doing this. But if you're in a church that's committed to this, if you're in a company that's committed to this, if you're in a family that's committed to this, it doesn't mean that you won't have problems. It just means that you won't have constant drama and unresolved issues that just lend uh, death to the whole thing if you're committed to this. And we are committed to this. If somebody comes to me and says, um, Brother Joe, um, so-and-so did such-and-such to me, I can tell you what I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say. I'm so sorry that happened, okay? And I understand how you feel about this, right? Have you talked to the person? Have you talked to them? Well, no, I haven't talked to them. They won't listen to me. But have you talked to them? No, I haven't, I haven't talked to him. Uh, I, you know, I, I, just, I just don't like conflict. Well, this is, the, this is what we're committed to. You go and talk to them, pray about it, prepare yourself ahead of time, and you go and talk to them. If it doesn't go well, you can come talk to me, and we'll see what we're going to do for the next step. But I'm not going to receive an accusation against somebody. I have been involved in way too much counseling, marriage counseling and otherwise, to, to think that if I heard one side of the story that I've heard the whole story. Just as sure as I think this has to be this way and this person is wrong here and this is what's going on and I hear the other side of the story and I'm like, oh, that's not the whole story, is it? Neither is that one. But there's got to be a resolution between both sides and not just one person. The goal is restoration and reconciliation. But when it comes to the elders, there is judgment involved in that. And when when the Bible says don't judge, what the Bible is talking about is don't condemn. Jesus said, I came into the world not to condemn the world, but that through me the world might be saved. Passing judgment is not saying you're you're lost, you're going to hell, there's no hope. Judgment is saying this is not right and we need to resolve this. That's, That's what good judgment is. It's always redemptive in nature, always leaving the door open for the grace of God and always leaving a person an open door to restoration of a relationship and not holding them at a distance and looking down on them and judging them. When it comes to the elders, though, and it comes to the leadership of the church, we have to use good wisdom and good judgment uh, in things. I have had people bring things to me um, that they haven't been through the process with, and they want to bring it directly to the elders. And I'm like, that's big guns. That's a howitzer. And this is a fly. I'm not saying that it's not a problem. I'm just saying that you don't want to bring it directly to, like, the, you know, the general Resolve it. Go and resolve it. The beauty of the thing is, almost all the time you can resolve it, and you'll have a stronger relationship as a result of that. Um, So let's go back to this original meeting. Go to them one-on-one. 
In order to go into a meeting like this, you have some prep work to do, and it's vital that you do the prep work. It's vital that you're prepared when you come into it, because if you just show up with raw emotion, unresolved things, then it's not going to go well. It's not going to go well. And you have to have a commitment to certain things um, when you go, go into it. So the first uh, prep work um, is to get a grip on yourself. Get a grip on yourself. You may think that the problem is the other person, but if you can let the Holy Spirit bring the calm and the peace that passes understanding to your own heart, you might actually realize that it's not the other person. doesn't mean you don't have anything to talk about, but that you might have been part of the uh, reason why this thing has got ratcheted up so big. If you're still in that loop where the more you think about it, the angrier you get, you're, still, you're not there yet. You still have some work to do, okay? And like for me... Um, this kind of thing happens when I'm mowing. I don't know if it's just the repetition of mowing, but like if I'm mad at somebody, I take a lap and I take another lap and I take another lap and the whole time I'm going, I'm thinking they shouldn't have said that to me. How could they do that to me? I can't believe that they would do that to me. What kind of person is that? How can they? And it's like the more you're, you know, you're going around. My older brother used to talk to himself and he had a big booming voice. And uh, when we were in high school, I was in the house and I heard him outside. It sounded like he was hollering at somebody. He was actually mowing, and he was talking to himself loud enough to be heard over the mower. <laughs> Have you ever felt that way? It's like the more you think about it, the angrier you get. Listen, that's something going on on the inside of you. That's not the other person. Because if you're, if you're in the right heart, in the right state of mind, and looking for resolution, the more you think about it, the more you're able to put the pieces together to resolve it instead of getting angrier and angrier about it. And if you're having a hard time with that, let me tell you, man, here's the good news. We have an advocate with the Father. And we have a Savior that was touched exactly like you are, exactly like you are. Can you imagine his righteous soul on this earth day after day after day? How many things could he have lost it about? I've had enough of you people. Every single one of them, right? And yet he didn't. He was meek, he was humble, he was gentle, and he didn't return evil for evil. Even when they were putting him to death, he prayed for them. And he said, this is between you and them, God, but I'm asking you to forgive them because they don't know what they're doing as they were killing him. Get a grip on yourself. Anger is like being drunk. You say things that you normally wouldn't say. You, hurt, you do things that you normally wouldn't do. You hurt people, you hurt yourself, you know. It's, it's the same thing. You, you, you're not supposed to drive when you're drunk. You know, you're not supposed to try to resolve issues with somebody you love when you're drunk on anger. Get away from it. Get it resolved first because you're not going to resolve anything as long as you are operating uh, with, that, um, with that type of emotion. This work requires sobriety and self-control. The second one is prayer is vital because even if you're trying to get, and, and the, I didn't put these in, uh, I said the second one, the next point is, I didn't put these in one, two, three, four, um, five because they're all happening at the same time. I'm getting it under control, I'm praying, um, I'm humbling myself, all of these are the prep that I'm doing but it's not like I'm going to do this one and I'm moving on to the next one. 
I'm, I'm getting a grip on my emotions, and prayer is a great way to get a grip on your emotions. Have you ever, because like when you go to the Lord with something, you're going to get a different perspective on that. Because he's God, and he sees it from up here, right? And he loves you, but he doesn't think you're perfect either, right? And so as you're bringing this to the Lord, you're going to be praying. And a lot of times we start off praying, you know, like a go get them, God sick them. You know, they deserve all of this um, prayer. But if you pray long enough to get the peace, you're going to be praying for yourself as well. And you're going to be praying redemptive prayers for that person. And you'll be going into um, the, uh, the meeting expecting something good to happen. Prayer is vital. Pray for yourself. Pray for the person. Pray for wisdom and insight as to what this situation is. And why does it upset me so much? Why does it upset me so much? Then the third one is to humble yourself. Humble people have a whole lot less conflicts with other people than proud people do. And humility is one of those things that's really, really tough to judge in yourself. It's only when somebody steps on your ego or somebody slights you or somebody overlooks you or does something ugly to you that you realize suddenly, hey, maybe I do have a problem with pride, you know? Why is this this big a deal, you know? Why, is, why am I so upset about this? And it may be because of pride, and it may be because you're on the throne. So humble yourself. The fourth one is to take courage. I am not, I, I'm, I'm not living, you know, I didn't come from a, under a rock somewhere. I know that it's, it's really um, scary. Even talking to somebody that you really love and trust and care about to bring up things that are, that are wrong, things that they have done wrong, um, things that have hurt you, it's really tough. It takes courage. But look, it takes courage to follow Jesus. And it's not the hardest thing he's ever going to ask you to do. I can guarantee you that. And the more you do this, the more you will go into it, even if you may be apprehensive, the more you will go into it with an expectation that God is going to do something in this thing. And that's how I feel when people bring, come to me, you know, when they have come to me with issues, and especially when they come to me when they're really upset. I have this, this baseline confidence that God is going to bring us through this, and I don't have to defend myself. I don't. I don't have to, I don't have to match their emotion. I don't have to match their tactics. I know that God will bring us through this because he's brought us through this many, many times before. Not every time. Not every time. Again, you know, I'm, I'm not naive. I know that relationships do break down. And I've had relationships break down that I, I wish to God had not. And I tried to do what I could, but I know that I was part of the problem. I know that that happens. And it breaks my heart, and I know it breaks the Lord's heart. It's not good. It's not right. Sometimes people use the example of Paul and, um, and uh, Silas, was it? Paul and Silas when they separated? Barnabas. Paul and Barnabas, son of encouragement, you know. Yeah. But they, they had a conflict and they separated. And sometimes people, are, you know, they, they use that as an example. Like, you know, well, Paul and Barnabas, they separated over the issue of John Mark. And I'm like, that was not the high point of the book of Acts. That's, I mean, the gospel went out and all of that, but we're still recorded with two great men of faith unable to resolve an issue uh, with each other. God can still bless it, okay? Let's don't do it that way. Let's do it a better way. And the last one is to trust the Lord. You're not trusting that person, you're trusting the Lord. I'm going to give you, um, th this is, uh, 
there's two parts to good communication, assertiveness and active listening. This is really vital to understand. Assertiveness is the ability to express yourself, your, your um, feelings and your thoughts um, clearly to the other person. So here's the way communication works. Communication is like playing catch. So I say to you, um, I want a, a Big Mac uh, with cheese, hold the onions. And you say to me, that's a Big Mac with cheese, hold the onions. But actually, you're talking to that little speaker thing, and it comes across like, this is Big Mac with cheese, the onions. Right? But that's why they do that. Because they want you to know. They're going to repeat to you what you said, so they want you to know that they heard you. This is vital in communication, that you feel like you are heard and that that other person feels like that they are heard, that you can repeat back to them in a simple way, here's what I hear you saying, because you may not hear what they're saying. You may be so emotionally charged that you're like, okay, well, you're just saying so-and-so, and they're like, no, that's not what I'm saying, that, full stop. They're responsible for what they're saying. You're responsible to hear it. Too many people communicate like dodgeball, like they're throwing here, and he's dodging that, and he's got another one. You know, going at them, you're not, you're not getting anywhere with that. Assertiveness, active listening is, uh, is actually replying to the person. Um, so I'll read to you from uh, Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12, verses 14 and 15. Strive for, grace, for peace with everyone and for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to attain the grace of God, um, that no root of bitterness springing up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. Do you know of a root of bitterness in your life? Do you know of an unresolved issue in your life with another person? Have you prayed about it? Have you, in your heart, prepared yourself to have a conversation? Because sometimes it doesn't, it's not necessary, but if there's a root of bitterness there, it's deadly. And it won't just affect you, it will affect people you love and people they love, and it'll affect the body of Christ. And we have a command, we have a responsibility to root out that bitterness and not allow it to take root in our lives to begin with and not allow it to flourish and bear its bitter fruit in, a, in other people's lives. Amen? Can you think of something in your life? We're going to pray in a few minutes, and I just want you to bring that to the Lord um, honestly. Um, you can come. Now, I'm going to give you um, one more thing. This is way too much. Take a picture of it, okay, and that way you'll have it. Um, this is what we use in, um, in marriage uh, prep um, classes um, of, of uh, 10 steps to resolving uh, conflict. Um, if you will do these things with a conflict, number one, I suggest that you use, do it on an easy one first, okay, don't do it on something that is like killing your marriage first. Do it on something easy like, you know, where we're going to have lunch or something like that, okay? Set a time and a place. Um, define the problem. Be specific. That's really important because usually people come in with their own issues. I've got an issue. You've got an issue. We can't work on both those issues at the same time, okay? So we've got to decide. Okay, we'll work on your issue, but we'll identify my issue. We'll work on my issue um, later. Um, list the ways that you each have contributed to the problem. If you have prepared yourself in humility coming into the um, meeting, then you will already have some, some things here. You will already be able to say, hey, you know what? As I was praying about this, the Lord showed me that I was contributing to this problem in some way. I don't think I'm the whole problem, but I do know that I have done part of that. That helps to disarm people. 
People are not necessarily going to be defending themselves as much if they know that you're owning your part of, of the way that you have contributed to it. Um, how have you tried in the past um, that uh, were not successful? And then brainstorm. Any idea. Just throw out ideas about how you can resolve this. Discuss the ideas and then agree on the solution. Agree um, how you will each work toward the solution. And then have a follow-up meeting. And all along the way, when you see the person and, and they're, and they're uh, making an effort, that you say to them, I really appreciate the effort that you're making. I really see that. And I really believe that we're going um, the right direction. Listen, God wants us to have deep, honest, healthy relationships. And he has not spared us conflict. He expects us to conduct ourselves under pressure in a godly way. Work character into our hearts and grace into our relationships with other people. Just, just pause for a minute, okay? And just let the, let the Lord speak to you. Because I know that as I've been talking here... There has probably been lots of examples that have come to mind, and that's not me, that's the Holy Spirit, and it's specific to you. What relationships do you have that are suffering right now because there's a lack of communication or a lack of honesty or a lack of resolution of some issue? What relationships have you lost? What relationships have you just not acted what are you judging without the full benefit of letting the other person, talking to the other person about it and hearing the other side of the story? Let's just pause. Thank you, Lord. Let's stand together. As the Holy Spirit is examining our hearts, if you want prayer, you can come, and I'll, I'll be glad to pray for you. Do we have prayer? I'll be glad to pray for you. Um, if you just want to come to the altar, if you have like a something that needs to be done and you're just, it scares you, come and get some grace from God. Come and get some courage from the Lord. It's freely given. It's a, it's a fountain of grace and godliness and refreshing and courage to do what we need to do. As we're going to sing a chorus, if you want prayer, if you just want to come to the altar and pray for the next step in your relationships, you come. Amen. God, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. I want my righteousness, oh God, how I need you, Lord, I need you, oh, I need you, every hour I need you, my one defense, my Oh God, how I need you. Lord, I come. 
Uh, part of that, Lord, is to have strong, healthy, honest, uh, supportive, loving relationships. And I know that the devil has come to steal and kill and destroy. His very me name means to divide, and he, he wants to divide us, Lord. And he wants, even in the body of Christ, Lord, he wants to keep our relationships superficial. He wants there to always be some level of uh, uh, inflammation in our relationships. And we just reject that in Jesus' name. We say that your intention, Lord, is what matters. And your command is what we're subject to, Lord, not his. And if we've lost hope, Lord Jesus, that's just because we have cast off our, our hope, Lord, because you have it in abundance for us. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would help us, Lord, to become good at this. And I pray, Lord, for those that are among us, Lord, that are good at this, that they would have more and more of an influence in our lives, Lord, that we would seek them out, seek out their counsel, Lord, Seek out their, um, their input and their wisdom, Lord, so that we might be able to live um, godly lives. And I especially pray for marriages right now, Lord, in Jesus' name. I just know that marriages a lot of times just reach a state of equilibrium that is not healthy. Just doing things in a way that is not pleasing to you and not healthy for them, but it's balanced and they're used to it. I pray against that in Jesus' name, Lord. I pray that you would give us as husbands and wives the courage, Lord, uh, to, uh, to pursue goodness and godliness and reconciliation and true, true love, Lord Jesus. Uh, I pray that our homes would be places, Lord Jesus, of uh, grace and peace and that our families would benefit from that. And Lord, we just thank you for that in Jesus' name. And I pray, Lord, that you'd send us forth from this place, Lord, as peacemakers. Send us forth, Lord, from this place as those who are sons of God and, and, and daughters of God Lord, because we bring peace into situations. We bring, Lord, the ability to, um, to heal broken hearts and to help people have the courage to resolve um, their e issue, Lord, to, to speak hope um, to a hopeless world. And I thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you and your...